So the Rockets just finished their introductory press conference of the rookies. Here are my takeaways. But first, sound forty two. Not slap show. So G Ross and DJ Candlestick. Shop stars, OVO gang. DJ Candlestick. One time for the home DJ school. So if you didn't know, we got a new look for the Chop Shop merch store. We got some new drops in there, some new sales coming up. I want you guys to go to the merch store. You don't have to buy anything. I just want you to go there and look at some of these fire designs that we got in there. Shout out to our CSGs. If you hear the term CSG on the channel, that stands for Chop Shop Gang. That's the community. That's those passionate Rockets fans that sit through two, three years of a rebuild, that sit through bad games, that sit through bad coaching. Shout out to y'all. We are at the cusp of glory. We're almost there, guys. We're almost there. Got to keep pushing through. Shout out to the CSGs. Go to the merch store. Check out the designs on there. If you like something, cop it, man. Cop it. Let them boys know what the CSG stands for, man. Tell them that you've been a die harder. You went through the Christian Wood years. You went through the John Wall years. So keep repping, keep supporting the chop shop, and we're gonna keep dropping heat. This is something I know. I know. Uh, this is for both players. I, I wondered, I'm sure you've heard from a lot of people since you got drafted and got a lot of nice messages. I was wondering, is there any Thing that stand, stood out, like anybody that you heard from where you were like, wow, got a message from this person or is there anything you could share with me? I would say, um, I mean, just the Rockets players showing love through social media. I mean, that was just, you know, stood out. So, I mean, I was, you know, I'm going to, you know, be on the team now. So, I mean, that was, you know, very exciting that. But, um, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, Rudy Gay, you know, just a long time, you know, mentor. I mean, I'm from that area of Baltimore. So, I mean, you know, just recent NBA player that's, you know, in the league right now. I just, you know, that just stood out to me. Probably, you know, players reaching out to me, like Josh Christopher, Tar Eason, they reached out, and I appreciated that. So off rip for the first clip, thing that sticks out to me is that um, a man mentions Tari Eason and Josh Christopher by name. I don't think that's accidental. I think he's intentional in that. I mean, I'm sure he got a lot of text messages from NBA greats and all these players congratulating them. But I mean, the dude's a leader. Think about that. When you are... Um, being asked who are the players that blew you away or somebody that blew you away um, after you got drafted and you mentioned guys on the basically on the fringes of starting or playing as the two players with Tari and Joshua are two you know guys that are fighting for minutes and in Tari's case which was criminal with Steven Silas did have an fight for minutes over guys that he was clearly better than um, you know early on uh, but to me, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. I love Cam's answer as well. Uh, going back to the Rudy Gay thing, their ties in Baltimore. Um, I think that one thing that the Rockets have really, really missed in adding uh, rookies is kind of that um, maybe, you know, I know that, uh, for example, uh, a man is a little bit older, um, but I don't even think it's about the age. I think it's just about the disposition of the players. Um, we've had a lot of hoopers, right? But I like that the fact that uh, a man is a guy that seems like he thinks the game. He thinks the game 
on different levels and he thinks life and uh, you could tell by his answers and cam even though he's not a great like public speaker uh, he's a real genuine dude and i think that he's going to really fit in well with what the rockets have going on so i think that those were great answers by the both of them but the men piece really really sticks sticks out to me like the fact that he was able to point out two players on the peripheries as uh the ones that that um that called them because what are you doing when you do that you're kind of reeling those guys in. You start uh, uh, on the edges and bringing those guys closer to the to the fold. And I think it'll unfold as time goes on. He'll start ingratiating himself with some of the other players and they'll be able, like I told you guys, being a leader isn't something that you're you're given. It's something that you have to demonstrate. And then those people will choose to lead to follow you as you as you lead them. And I think he's doing everything perfectly at this moment right now for Ime. The desire to add some veterans to this roster via free agency has been kind of a recurring theme. How do you plan to balance having now nine recent first-round draft picks in addition to the veterans that you'd like to add this offseason? And what do these two young men bring to the team as far as the culture that you want to try to establish here in Houston? Yeah, I think it's uh, obviously an advantage for us to add some veterans and, and having the cap space allows us to do that. So we want to find the right mix of, of veterans, not not a certain type of guy. We're looking at uh, every position, but we also want to guy, have guys that have professionalism, uh, be good examples for our young guys. But we also feel like the young guys that we have and, and the guys that are coming back have been here, you know, two, three, four years now. And although they're young in age, uh, they have a lot of experience. These guys have been on, on big stages as well. So the intangibles that they bring, we just want to add to the team. The athleticism is kind of across the board, and we want to add the right veterans to, to kind of nurture these guys as well as myself. So one thing about that I'm noticing about Ime, whenever he gets asked questions about the veteran leadership um, that he wants to see on the team, a lot of it has to do with setting examples of the right way to do things and not really on the court play. Obviously, he refers to them kind of balancing out, but it's not like, He's expecting the veterans, and I hope this is the Rockets' overall perspective on this. And I know he's a big driver of what the Rockets are doing. It's not like he's expecting the veterans to be the ones carrying the burden of everything that's going to go forward with the Rockets. The term he keeps using is balance, and I love that because I feel like that's exactly what they need is a good balance of that veteran structure to support the young guys and help them in their development, but also having the guys that have been here. And he keeps talking about the fact that Jalen and, uh, you know, the Jabari, the Shangoons, they've been here. You know, uh, Jalen is going into his third year. Shangun is going into his third year. Kevin Porter is going to his fourth year um, in the NBA. And so and I think he might be in his fifth year. Um, you guys can correct me in the, in the comments if I'm wrong. But the point is that their experience in NBA is not for nothing. And I think he's understanding that. And, um, you know, his he doesn't want to treat them like babies. They're going to be a part of this. And this is something that I'm looking forward to. And this speaks to the level of veterans that we need to add to the team. You know, I'm going to talk about the veterans uh, stuff in another video, but um, I don't think that the Rockets, obviously, with the, the landscape of the veterans right now, the free agency, there's not too many guys that are just going to come in and, you know, take over the, the team and be that guy. You know, maybe they can get that through trade, but most of the guys they're getting are supplemental players. And I think that's actually perfect, especially drafting a uh, man Thompson. Right. You don't want you don't want a bunch of. Uh, guys that are going to come in and take the ball out of the hands of, of the, the kids that you've been cultivating all this time. So I think that uh, the the balance that Ime is speaking of is exactly what the team needs. You need veterans that can show them how to be professionals. I mean, you look through NBA history, a lot of the vets that have been uh, the vets for, for some of the greatest players in the league were not stars. You know what I mean? They were not stars. You think about Kobe and Nick Van Exel and uh, that veteran relationship. You look at Devin Booker's relationship with um, Tyson Chandler, 
Um, yeah, it just goes across the league. There's just random guys, whether they were bench players, some guys that didn't play, but they impacted these guys that ended up becoming superstars in NBA um, just because of, uh, you know, their support and mentorship for them. And I think that when the fan base is thinking about the type of players we should add, yes, we're trying to win. Yes, we're trying to, um, you know, reach new heights in phase two, quote unquote. Um, but at the end of the day, you've invested all this stock into these young players. Um, the focus of the veterans you bring in should be also on the players as well, not just trying to win ball games and win in the short term when your goals should be long term. So love the answer by Coach Adoka. I think that's the right answer, the right approach. Um, expects from the guys that are here, expect from the rookies, everybody has to chip in. You know what I mean? As we're trying to build this house, everybody has to bring their brick to it. So I think that was a great answer. Rafael, you've looked at this offseason as moving from phase one to phase two in the rebuild. During phase one, your top rookies, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., basically played 30 minutes per game immediately. How much does that change, if at all, now that you're going to phase two with more of an emphasis on winning next season? I, I think you mispronounced Ime's name. Oh, Ime. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying that's a question for him, not me. <laughs> So he gets to, you know, uh, uh, I, 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 uh, I try and find him and then I hand him over and, and it is his job to allocate uh, who plays and how. I mean, to answer your question, to your point, a lot of time and positions and, you know, those things have been given, so, so to speak, uh, with the young guys. It'll be changes now, like you said, phase two, we're adding some more young pieces, but also adding the veterans. So I think just that alone will kind of raise the level of competition. Um, nothing is handed out anymore as well as myself and the new staff coming in we've kind of stressed that to the guys and so for us it's just adding the right pieces uh, raising the whole level of the organization i think those veterans will help but we, we love the young talented guys and it's a balance uh, you know it might not be the starter or the finisher it's how can we balance the lineups out uh, with the guys we add and some guys will play different roles than they have been but uh, i think we have high character guys that are all used to winning and trying to get it on that level and so uh, they'll do what they have to do to sacrifice for the team but it is phase two and we're looking forward to taking a big step key phrases that i just took from that oh my god what a snippet nothing is handed down anymore shot at silas shot at stone for the uh, past three years and guys positions and their duties are going to change right things are going to change what you used to do before may not be what you do now i mean there were stretches in both seasons where a lot of the rookies that we had should not have been playing as many minutes as they were playing. If they were on a better team, like if Jabari, for example, how he struggled out the gates last year on a better team, a veteran led team with more structure, Jabari is sitting on the bench and he's coming in and learning at a slow pace where he can adapt to the NBA at the level that he needs to, rather than being out front in front of the world and basically going through your bumps and bruises for the whole world to see and make fun of. Which, you know, I mean, it could damage a player. I and mean, you know, shout out to him for having mental resolve to be able to get over that and still make a turnaround uh, despite lack of support from uh, the coaching structure and the organization at that time with no veterans on the roster. Um, you know, that just shows how mentally tough he is, but that's not normal. That shouldn't be the case for these young guys trying to get acclimated to the NBA. Just like with any job, think of any job that you would have. If you were a, a guy that worked at a Walmart or you were a plumber or you're a nurse or you're a doctor, or you work as a teacher or whatever you do, you work at an auto repair shop. You always have to have somebody to kind of get you acclimated to your job, somebody to train you, give you that mentorship. Somebody has been there that can give you the answers when things go wrong. Um, you're, you rarely see a job where you just let somebody show up fresh out of school and you just give them the keys, right? Okay, it's your company. 
I mean, you're going to crash yourself into the, you know, I'm into the sewers doing that. And the Rockets chose that approach. Um, and luckily for them, they have some really, really tough, mentally tough uh, young guys that were able to swim uh, despite damn near almost drowning. Uh, but I love the answer. I love the fact that the, the earning their minutes is such a big concept that these guys, I'm shocked. How, how is Jalen going to react when he gets benched? How is Kevin Porter? How is Shangun? How is, uh, you know, what I mean, uh, Jabari? How are any of these guys when we have better players that are going to be in front of them? Depending on who they sign a free agency, that may make a big difference as to, you know, what minutes guys play, whether at the point guard, two guard, three, any of the positions on the court. I like that it's going to be open competition, and that's exactly how it should be. Winning a championship is not a popularity contest. Building a contender is not. If you're better than a guy, then beat him out of his spot. You know what I mean? If, if Lopez is signed here and Shangun can't beat him and Lopez being on the floor makes the team better, then hey, get better, brother. You know what I mean? That's how it should be. If it's the same for Jabari, we get a, a Chris Middleton or somebody like that and Jabari can't beat him out of spot. Hey, get better, brother. If we get a, a guard that's, you know, that and the men and the guard that we get are the two best two guards, uh, two uh, backcourt combination. Hey, Jalen, get better. If the men's not ready, hey, get better. If uh, if uh, Cam uh, Whitmore is not ready, get better. If KJ is not ready, get better. That's the theme. You know, what I mean, you can't win a popularity contest with different players and trying to say who is your, you know, the guy that you like. So that's how you're going to dictate who should play. That stuff is over. And I'm glad that Coach Udoka is thinking like that. And that's the right way, because that's how you build winning. And if the if the kids are ready, let them rock. You know, what I mean, let them rock. Um, I, and I think you do have to balance that out with not just getting vets for the sake of getting vets. If um, if the, with the long term goal in mind of getting these guys prepared. But as of right now, in 2023, going into the 23-24 NBA season, you know, I mean, everybody doesn't need to pay 35 minutes for them to reach their ultimate conclusion of what they're going to be as a player. Like I said, Kobe didn't start his first two years in the NBA, sitting behind the Eddie Joneses of the world. Somebody he, he probably was better than, but you just got to take your lumps and it's OK. To me, there's nothing wrong with, with young guys learning to play behind somebody better than them. The difference is with the Silas era, it was a bunch of kind of stupid lineups with players that were better than players not playing. Right. You would have a young guy, not even a vet that was better than the older player and the older players starting over. them. So it was a lot of mixed up stuff. So this kind of reshuffling of how their brains work is going to be fascinating to see uh, during training camp. Man, this is going to be such an exciting season. But let's keep going. Hey, coach, um, when you was in Boston, you had more so of a older veteran team, um, a team that was already like on the cups of reaching the next level. Now you come here and, you know, it's still somewhat in the early stages of the rebuild. But what can you say about your abilities to teach these young guys, not just the rookies, but the sophomore and junior class as well? well I, I take it back to obviously um, my playing career. I've been in a lot of different situations on Spurs teams that, that made it to the Western Conference Finals and came off championships and then uh, teams that were, you know, rebuilding with the Blazers, with Sacramento and some of the other places I played, but kind of been in every different situation as far as that. And then coaching wise, um, always been with teams that have been in the playoffs or a young team like Boston that had to take that next step. And so it's not far off uh, the difference, you know, two, three years is a difference between the players in Boston and these guys here, but they, you know, those two, three years of experience is important. And so I can kind of draw in on all my situations as a player and a coach, um, been in a lot. and. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Got a lot of talent and, and guys that are hungry to get to that next level. So, um, like I said, I've been in a lot of different situations. I can nurture them, bend in their shoes, and, and look forward to adding pieces that will help with that as well.
Okay, so I love the little statement he made about that one thing that I've never done is not make the playoffs. I don't know, man. Y'all talking about, y'all seen my last video talking about how many wins I think the Rockets are going to have, 35 to 40. Looks like Ime is trying to say he's trying to make the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he if he's really about that, but I love that answer as well. Um, I think that once again, I've said this for months, as soon as he was hired, the best thing the Rockets have done this offseason, whoever we had drafted, even if we had gotten Victor Wembyama, the best thing, whether we got Scoot, Amen, the best thing the Rockets have done this season was sign that coach because the coaching transcends everything. A player, an individual player may have um, influence on a certain aspect of the game. You know, you get a guy that's a great defensive player. You get a guy that's a great offensive player, a guy that can create for his teammates. A coach uh, transcends all of that. A coach sets the culture for the coaching staff. A coach can even impact the front office as we're seeing with some of the things that and how the Rockets are moving this offseason compared to the others. A coach impacts the training regimen, impacts the, the disposition of the players, the culture on the court, off the court, the expectations. That stuff elevates every single person in the organization. And I think that the signing and the hiring of Ime Udoka is the biggest acquisition the Rockets will make. I don't give a damn who we sign in free agency. That coach is going to be the one to do it. And I think especially when you have a young team that is devoid of a, a veteran voice, we don't have like a star player. We don't have a LeBron. We don't have a, a KD or Steph on the team or a Giannis or a Jokic that takes up that, that vacuum of the face of the franchise. Right now, the face of the franchise is Coach Udoka. And I think that um, that's perfectly fine as these guys find themselves. Uh, for both players, or for you, Amen, what do you know about Cam's game and how would you describe it? And Cam, what do you know about Amen's game and how would you describe it? Yeah, Cam, super athletic, you know, good shooter, can really break somebody down off the dribble. Uh, I say he's like a freight train, to be honest. Like, even if you get stay in front of him, he puts you in the paint, dunk on you, great second jump, just. I mean, he was at the top of my board, so. <laughs> okay, if you guys hear me say it, I'm gonna say it again. Amen Thompson is a basketball savant. I mean, there's videos of him, uh, like basically naming all the draft picks going back like 10 years. I think he missed like one, but naming random where guys were selected. Early in the press conference, he said he's been a league pass subscriber pretty much his whole life. Like this is that, and his response about Cam Whitmore's game, um, just listen to it. Like the, the way he describes the game, this is some, he's a hoop head and a, a student of the game. And the reason this excites me, I know you guys think it's random, but it's not. Every great player is a student of the game. And this is one of the reasons why I'm a little worried about Jalen because some of his responses don't really speak to that and not worried about him being a good player, but being in that upper echelon, that upper uh, upper room of greatness of the of the guys that what I call a savant, right? Somebody that like, you know, the LeBrons where you ask LeBron, he can give you a, a, a picture memory of a game that was three years ago, exactly what he was doing, what the play was. That stuff is special. You, th you talk about the Kobe Bryant's of the world that you ask him about a player from like from like Serbia that nobody knows about. And he knows everything about that player. He watches all the EuroLeague games and the Turkish League games and the Australian, you know, these guys that can't get enough basketball or Kevin Durant, that he's watching the most randomest players. You ask him about a player in college that from a D2 school and they'll tell you everything about their game. I get those same vibes from Men Thompson. And that is exciting because when you have one of those dudes at point guard, man, it, it's, just, it's different. I'm telling y'all, just watch when the season starts, 
you'll be able to see it'll be night and day difference as to having a player that is actually being trained to play point guard and having somebody that is born the dude showed up in a suit he showed up in a suit that reminds me of those quarterbacks in the nfl man where all the other players are coming in their sweatsuits going to the bus the quarterback is dressed like a damn coach and he giving me the vibes of a qb so you know shout out to houston having two young studs that are going to be manning their offenses going forward uh you know i mean the city is up right now man we up but let's keep going let's keep going back here uh for each of the players how how, how have you processed all of this the last three days i know you watch filmed at dinner you this is something you guys have always dreamed of but now you're sitting in a nba practice floor that was part of it. How, how how have you processed this whole experience the last three days now that you've been drafted i mean i come in like with a free mind just uh, you know embracing every moment i mean i you know i don't i don't get you know the 24 hours back from me from yesterday so i just you know try to um be in the moment still and, you know just you know i'm just very very grateful i mean um I got drafted, so I mean, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, very blessed to be here, to be honest. I just love how reflective Cam Whitmore is on, about everything. Uh, you know, him saying coming in with a free mind, embracing every moment. He's just really humbled by the experience. And I think, like I said earlier, that's the best type of athletes you want that are offended and humbled at the same time because he's going to put his head down and grind. Um, I'm excited to see how he fits on the team. I think that if he can get some things straightened out and pick up the game fast enough and get a better feel for the game, he has the upside to be a really, really special linking player on the team, like kind of the way KJ Martin was um, and and how he plays and how he fits well with uh, with Shane Goon and with Jalen and, and Kevin Porter and all that. A guy that can do everything, can be a pick and roll threat, can be a guy that can shoot that can attack closeouts, that can ball handle if need be. And these are the things that he he can do well. Um, I think all of it for him is going to be in his head. Can he pick up the game? Can he pick up the speed of the game? And this is for all the rookies. This is where they really kind of bump their heads a little bit is trying to pick up the speed of the NBA. The faster Whitmore picks it up, the faster he's going to get on the court. And I think the only limitation he would, he would have is acclimating to the game. But man, we got this guy at 20. I mean, the league messed up. The league is messed up. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think this year's a little has been a little uniquely challenging just because we were trying to get to know each other at the same time as we were doing all the evaluations. I do think, like, um, credit to, to Ime for making a quick decision, but, like, the fact that he's been here for, what's it been, a month? Two. Two? Two months, yeah. Means that we're not, it's not baby steps. Like, I think the gloves came off, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. And, you know, and, and now we can kind of have real dialogue about how he envisions things going forward. Uh, credit to all our players, they've been around, so we've gotten a chance, you know, they've gotten a chance to know him. And uh, I, mostly it's been really good and, and been very collaborative. So I think, I think these, last, uh, these last two months have been exactly what I hoped uh, they would be. Okay, and shout out to Stone. I know give, I give him a lot of grief uh, for some of the things he let happen, um, but it seems like he's doing what all smart leaders do, which is let people that are smarter than you uh, do your job and make you look good, right? If you hire a coach, let the coach coach, right? If you hire somebody that's going to be your scout, let the scout scout. Your job as a as a that upper level leadership is to find individuals that are able to uh, be smarter than you in certain subjects, right? You finding the right people is your skill and putting them around you. That's why if you read all the great books about the great leaders and millionaires and billionaires, it's about putting the right team around you. And I feel like the relationship between him and Udoka is totally different than him and Silas. Whenever Udoka is on the stage, Stone does not talk. 
right? He doesn't talk much because he lets the coach coach and lets him answer the questions he needs to, which is in opposition to what he was doing when Steven Silas was here, which was a lot of over talking, a lot of, uh, let me answer that for him, a lot of stepping in and trying to correct things that Silas was saying, because I just feel like he never had confidence in Steven Silas's coaching ability. And it showed, and maybe that's why he was meddling. Can you imagine Rafael Stone trying to meddle with uh, Emil Doka's practices? That would never happen. That would never happen because they seem like they have that mutual respect there. And honestly, I think Udoka is just when you compare their positions as far as Stone being a new GM, Udoka being a new coach, and you look at their impact on the NBA already. I mean, Stone really has nothing to show for his except drafting players. And the players are yet to actually reach their peak to say that whether he was successful or not. Using his own criteria, you really won't be able to tell what he's done as a GM until maybe three, four years from now when these players are at their peaks and we're in the contending or or not contending but for for uh Ime, he's already he's been to the pinnacle as a coach he didn't quite get over the hump he's been in different situations he's been in different backgrounds and and been around some of the best in the world that what he does so i think he has more cachet coming into this relationship uh than uh, pretty much a lot of other coaches would have and i think stone has to respect that because i think tillman and patrick respect that so you know this is um this is exciting to see because this means that we're going to get decisions being made for the right reasons. And, you know, this is a phrase from Jay-Z, uh, Black Republicans, when he said when the when the team got beef between the post and the point, this puts the ring in jeopardy. And that's bars, right? When the team got beef between the post and the point. And the point of that bar that Jay-Z is saying is that when you have a team and there's there's tension between two key parts, like a basketball team, the post and the point got to be got to be as one. Right. Going back to NBA history, the, po the post and the point guard, that's that two man game. So you can you can extrapolate that to every aspect of life, whether it's in a marriage and I'm giving you a little, little free game right now, for y'all. whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a business, when you got a team together, y'all got to be on the same accord. And if you're not, it's going to put that ring in jeopardy, whether that ring is having a successful marriage, a good business, a good relationship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So right now, I feel like the Rockets, everything is humming on all cylinders. They don't need to do anything crazy like, you know, bringing in some some diva. Uh, to be able to change uh, the way things are going right now. I love the vibes I'm getting from the team. I love the responses from all the players and from Rafael and from uh, Coach Udoka. I mean, this is this is cool, man. I mean, right now we're in the honeymoon phase of this new era. Obviously, there's going to be times in the future where things go go left, and that happens. It comes bumps and bruises. You know, we'll try to talk you through it. You know how the fan base gets a little bit overreactive. Um, but shout out to y'all. Y'all let me know in the comments, did you watch the conference? I'm going to put the link to it um, in the description for this uh, podcast. Um, if you don't know, the, it's on the Rockets YouTube page as well. You can just watch it straight from there. Go to their YouTube page, subscribe to them, uh, watch their, that video. But y'all let me know in the comments, what was your favorite part of the press conference? And keep rocking with the Chop Shop. And we're going to keep dropping this fire.